If y'all could pray with me. So, Father, we lift up tonight. We pray over this word. We love your word. Your word is so important. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll come upon me and speak your word through me tonight. And, and you know, glory and power, strong anointing, let it go out. Lord, as living seeds of truth sown in the good for soul of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Holy Spirit, and take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, I pray by your precious Holy Spirit that you would help, even now, wherever people are that are hearing this, that your Holy Spirit would help us to get focused on what you're saying. Lord, you know, the Bible talks about having eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you'll touch our eyes and ears and anoint them and help us to have eyes and ears of the Spirit to be able to, to see and hear what you're speaking and showing us. And Lord, that your word will go out and um, that our minds will be able to stay focused on what you're speaking, not be distracted. And Lord, I pray that there'll be a washing of the water of the word. There'll be light of truth shining and dispelling all the darkness and lies and deception of the evil one and bringing truth and revelation. And Lord, that you'll bless this word. It's not going to go forth and return void, but it will go out and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. Let the winds of your spirit carry this everywhere it's supposed to go. Let your holy angels watch over it. And Lord, we pray together that when Jesus taught about the parable of the seed and so where the birds try to come down and steal the seed, and that's the demonic. So Lord, we bind the enemy right now in the name of Jesus that you will not hinder this word. We bind you now. And so Lord, we thank you for freedom. In Jesus' name, and everything accomplished through this, that your will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray, and we agree together, and we believe it now. Amen. All right, so I'm going to deal with harbingers of the last days. Yep, I've studied end-time prophecy a lot for years, and I really love this subject. It's very interesting. And let me say something, too, about end-time prophecy. From the time Adam fell until Abraham was around 2,000 years from the time of Abraham until Jesus came was 2,000 years. Now, Jesus raised from the dead around 33 A.D., whenever it was, whenever he raised from the dead around that time. You know, you do realize that if you take seven years from that, in around 2026 or so, that that could be how near. I'm just throwing that out there. We don't know the day nor the hour, okay? But we really are that close where we could see the coming of the Lord in the next decade or so. And we've got a lot to do in a short amount of time. But when the Lord shows up with great revival, advances can be made. Harvest can come in, and it's supernatural. And we need the Lord to come down and do that. So I believe that we're very near the coming of the Lord. I do not believe we have a lot of time at all. And all the signs are there. So that's what I'm going to deal with tonight. There's some very strange things going on. I encourage you to take notes and then after this to go back and maybe look up some of the things I encourage you to look up. I'll, I'll mention some things maybe to look, in, um, look up on YouTube for yourself. And I encourage you to do it because it's really interesting. But the Bible predicts that there will be wonders in the heavens and signs on the earth below. So we're going to see things in the heavens, but you're going to see things on the earth. And let me read this in Acts 2.19. It says this, I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. And I'm going to tell you, there are some strange things that are going on in these last days that I see right now. 
I'm just going to give you some of them. There's so many that I can't get into this and, and be able to finish the sermon. But there's strange paranormal activity that's increasing. And I'm just going to read a couple things here. But did you know that it's become so common now for people to have something attack them in the middle of the night where they feel something on them like paralyzing them or crushing them that in secular psychiatry, I'm not talking about church folk, I'm talking about secular, non-Christian psychiatry, that they actually have a name for it, and it's called spirit crushings because so many people have had this happen to them in the middle of the night. Now, how weird is that? There's an increase of paranormal activity because of the fact that people are doing things also to open themselves up to it. Much more of society is very sexually promiscuous now. And they're defiling themselves and they're opening themselves up to the demonic. They're messing around with drugs. In the Bible, drugs come from the word sorcery, which is pharmakeia. has to do with um, a branch of the occult where drugs are used to tap into the spirit realm. It's an ancient practice. It goes back to like the Chaldeans, etc., they would drink things that would mind-altering drugs so they could... You know, even the Native Americans do this, you know. And so, um, anyway, people are doing this. They're getting mixed up with the drugs. They're, they're, they're getting mixed up with the occult. Maybe people that never were involved in it before through the media, through um, whether it's music or movies, they're beginning to get involved and fascinated with things that have to do with witchcraft and the occult. And also with the bloodshed. You have the abortions. People don't realize what they're doing. Man, if they had any idea how serious that was, shedding innocent blood like that, they wouldn't do it. But because of these things I just mentioned and many others, people are opening themselves up to the demonic realm. And now they're having strange paranormal experiences. Things are going on in their life. There's also, and look some of this up, there's strange unexplained noises (laughs) that are going on all over the world, and it's undeniable, and it's so bizarre. They've tried to explain it away in a couple places a couple of times as well. The wind was blowing through this or whatever, but they cannot explain a lot of it. Me, I've listened to them. Look it up on YouTube, strange noises out there. To me, it sounded like maybe an opening of a huge iron gate real slow, or it could even maybe be like the sound of like an eerie shofar sound or something, but it is some very strange noises. And I mean, this isn't something that's just happening in obscure places. One of them was during a baseball game, and the announcer was saying, y'all haven't seen this? You should look this up. One of the announcers was saying, what in the world is that noise? That sounds supernatural. <laughs> and there's several, just look it up, you'll see for yourself. There's so much weird weather patterns now. That the Weather Channel, and you can look this up on YouTube as well, and I encourage you to, the Weather Channel has reported these strange weather patterns that are going on. There's even bizarre things like millions of fish for no ex, you know, explanation whatsoever just all of a sudden are dead. Thousands and thousands of birds for no reason just fall out of the sky dead, and they don't know why. They can't figure it out. It seems to me like you can't go a couple weeks without hearing about some either terrorist attack or some major um, storm somewhere, some earthquake, some flooding, some natural disaster. You, can't, you can barely go a couple weeks without hearing about something. 
Let me just tell you, it wasn't like this when I was growing up. I mean, you hear about these things every once in a while, but it wasn't like this. Like every couple of weeks, something major, huge is going on. There's outbreaks of all kinds of plagues, and people are concerned. And let me say that as Christians, I believe we're under the blood, and we're going to be taken care of. Amen? So I'm not saying this to freak anybody out. But they're concerned even about superbugs, where they, they said that um, bacteria that has morphed to where, uh, you know, you go into a doctor and they give you antibiotics, that it's resistant to antibiotics because of things like, for example, everybody using antibacterial soap, etc., that this bacteria maybe is a strand of it that cannot be treated. And so they're really concerned about these, like the Bible talks about, the plagues that are going to break out. How many of you guys can see ethnic hatred? Globally, Jesus said in Matthew 24, nation will rise against nation. In the Hebrew, I mean in the Greek, it is ethnic group against ethnic group. Okay? And that's going on. How many of you guys see the rise of a hatred toward Christians? Jesus said that you'll be betrayed and hated by the nations for my name's sake. In the Nephilim age, now this is a really weird one. Jesus said it would be like it was in the days of Noah before he comes. So you have to look back at the days of Noah. And at this time, I know it's going to freak some people out that never heard this, but it's in there. Just look it up later and you'll see I'm right. All right, let's get beyond that now. So there was these fallen angels that came down and they had, they took on themselves wives and they, they had sex with wives and they produced these children. The Bible calls them Nephilim. Some of them were giants, but it was a mixture in the human race that was no longer purely human. I mean, it was a mixture between humanity and the angels and it produced this race. And one of the things that God said about Noah was he was blameless in his generations. If you look up the Hebrew, it implies that his blood was untainted by the demonic. Did y'all hear that? Look this up for yourself. If you've never studied this, go study it and you'll see that it's true. Now, Jesus, that's the reason why the flood came was to wipe out all of that pollution and to take Noah and start back over because his DNA was still intact. Now, here's what's weird. I thought a few years ago, I thought cloning was weird, and I still do, but this is even weirder. Did you know now, this is not science fiction, this is actually happening, that scientists are trying to figure out a way, and they've already pretty much figured it out, that they have found a way to take human DNA and then to take different DNA out of animals and to take that and mix it with human DNA, and they're trying to create like a hybrid. And this, it's called Chimeric, if you want to look this up. Tom Horn, if you want to look him up, he's a great job of exposing, he's a Christian pastor. But this is becoming very common. They're wanting, scientists are wanting to create um, technology that is so far advanced that, you know, the robotics and the computers and all this is so far advanced that it would kind of take over a lot of society where, you know, humans used to do things. It's like the intelligence and the speed by which these computer robotic type te- technology can do it but so exceed human ability and they're trying to even come up with a way of in in our um, military with having super soldiers for example and this is not something that i'm just saying this is something that that our government is saying and the scientists are saying what would it be like if we had the ability to create a soldier for example that you could take the night vision out of an animal dna and put that in him 
or the ability to have super strength or the ability to, you know, be able to run faster and, and to be a greater killing machine, that we, it would give us the edge. And they're talking about that. And some, people have, and some people have wondered that with the mark of the beast, you know, it's one thing to just have a tattoo or an implant like a, was it F, R, RFID chip or something like that where they can know where you're at, and they do that to animals now. But it's one thing to have something like that, and that may be all that it is, but they're wondering if it's not going to be connected somehow with altering human DNA. And that would be really weird. But how many of you guys know that this is the concern that a lot of preachers have out there when you're dealing with this and you're talking about altering human DNA? Um, Jesus came to die for human beings, not hybrids. So, I mean, seriously, what type of an abomination is going to be produced out of this? And in the days of Noah, that was what was going on, that the, the human DNA was being altered. And what you're seeing is you're seeing in these last days, you're seeing great rebellion against God, um, where the order of creation, like, for example, um, throughout human history, it was, it was understood, uh, you know, that human beings were to, you know, take care of their young, but now even animals take care of their young, protect their young, but now you're seeing people just as very cavalier that, that are very willing to, to abort a child and kill a child like that. That, that's a rebellion. It's a great rebellion against God to, to, to play God and act like you have some kind of right to murder another human being like that. That's, it's, it's evil. And then you see the order in the family. Um, even back in our nation amongst the heathen, um, you can watch some vintage TV shows. You can still see in, in, in secular society that people understood the order of the home. They understood the husband was the head of the home, the wife submitted and and children obeyed their parents. But you're dealing with a society today that is, is totally the opposite of that. Where women are trying to assume you know, the role of the headship in the family. Women are, uh, men are subservient to that. And children are very rebellious toward their parents. Which is a great rebellion against God, by the way. As you know, in the Bible times, if you lived back in the Old Testament and you pulled that, they would have stoned you to death. And that's the truth. So... You know, this is what's concerning. You read Romans 1, and you see a lot of this. You see the idolatry and the, the sexual sins and other things. And then it mentions about children rebelling against parents. And it says, after all that, it says that these are worthy of death. Isn't that something? That's a very concerning scripture. But you're seeing that now, with people having the nerve to want to mess with God's DNA that he's put in humanity. God created man in his own image. And in this great, this level of great rebellion against God to think that they have the right to go in and begin to take what was created in the image of God and to mix that with some kind of animal. And, and you know what I'm saying? It's a great rebellion. And there are clear signs that are taking place. And I'll deal with this more as I go, but there's clear signs in the heavens and clear signs on the earth below. These are some strange times, wouldn't you agree? This is a time like no other. We're living in the last days. And what concerns me is how um, clueless some people are, but I guess that was in the scriptures as well. But let me read some things. The Bible predicts that there would be this birth pangs. Remember Matthew 24, he said these things will begin to happen, and you'll see these things, but it's just the beginning of the birth pangs. It's the beginning of sorrows. And so there's a pattern in the scriptures that talks about like birthing. 
Do you remember reading this where it says that creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God? Have you all read that? Creation itself is groaning. And it talks about in Isaiah, and it talks about in the book of Revelation where it had that woman that was, that was clothed with the, the sun or whatever. And she had the, it represented Israel in Revelation 12. And it says that this woman was about to give birth and the dragon stood before her to devour the child. And, and so you see once again this principle of a birthing. There's something right now that is beginning to be the birthing of what we know as the latter days and these prophecies being fulfilled. I believe personally that um, in dealing with end time prophecy that the Bible is clear that whenever um, these things begin to happen, when we start seeing all these signs happening, all of them, that that generation will not pass away until they see the coming of the Lord. And I believe that we're beginning to see that. It's the birth pangs that are taking place. Ephesians 6.12 talks about a war that's taking place in the heavenly realms. And people's attitude toward the end times is this. 2 Timothy 3.4 They will say, Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since our fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning. And that's what I see right now. I see people that it seems like even though these things are happening, they don't even have a clue that here we are in the end times. They don't have a clue that Bible prophecy is being fulfilled in front of them. And they act like, well, things are just going on as it always has. But it's not. What has blinded their minds, what has deceived them? And the three areas that you can see this, you can see a lot going on on the earth, you see a lot going on in the cosmos, you see a lot going on with Israel. And let me read over this scripture in Luke 21.10. And Jesus continued by saying to them, Nation will rise against nation, that's ethnic group against ethnic group, kingdom against kingdom, there will be great earthquakes. How many of us have seen great earthquakes? In various places, plagues and famines, there will be terror. How many of us have seen a lot of terrorism? There'll be great signs from heaven. There'll be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth. Dismay among the nations. How many would say that there's dismay among all the nations right now? Perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. And men fainting from fear and the expectation of things which are coming upon the world. People are afraid. The powers of the heavens will will be shaken. We haven't seen that yet, but what in the world is that going to look like? Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. Then he told them a parable, Behold the fig tree. Now Israel's the fig tree. Jesus is telling us to behold the fig tree. Pay attention to Israel. Pay attention to what's going on in the nation of Israel. That is how it's God's timepiece, and that's how you know what's going on. And all the trees, that's the nations. Okay, does that make sense? Israel's the fig tree, but all the other trees is the nation. As soon as they put forth leaves, you see it and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. 
Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will not pass away. And what Jesus is saying there is when you start seeing all these signs, you start seeing all these things, the generation that sees that will not pass away till they see the coming of the Lord. Could we be that generation? Verse 34, be on your guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. That's exactly what's happening. Right now, we live in a time, I grew up in church, and it's so different now than it used to be. I mean, growing up in church, it was just, we always went to church. I mean, now you see people that are out of church, or they go when they feel like it. And it's not, it used to not be that way. People went every time the doors were open, they, they were hungry for God. And you're seeing that there's something that's weighing them down. There's the dissipation, the drunkenness, and the worries of life. People are not like they used to be about the things of God. And the Bible says, and that day will come on them suddenly like a trap. See, not everybody's going to be ready when Jesus comes. Not everybody calls themselves a Christian. Not everybody goes to church. Not everybody out there is going to be ready when he comes. And those that are not ready, this is going to come on them suddenly like a trap shuts on an animal. It's going to be quick. If you read the whole Bible, you know how suddenly it is when Jesus said it's going to be like this, like the twinkling of an eye. There's going to be a shout of an archangel, a blast of a trumpet, the dead will rise, and those that are alive and remain changed. It's going to be sudden, it's going to be quick, and that's going to happen, and then all of a sudden these things are going to unfold upon the earth very quickly. But we're seeing right now the beginning of sorrows, the birth pangs. So this is what it looks like. Right now, we're seeing the beginning of Matthew 24. You're seeing the nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. You're seeing the persecution against Christians. People will betray and hate one another. You see uh, 2 Timothy 3 that talks about the perilous times. Men are lovers of pleasure, lovers of themselves, all these things. You're seeing all of these prophecies where Paul said there would be a falling away that would take place. A great falling away. Where how many of you guys have seen people who used to be Christians now falling away from the faith? And there's a, there's a sifting that's going on. God's separating the wheat from the tares. And all of this is a sign of the times. But see, what's going to happen is while this is going on, the body of Christ, the true remnant bride of Christ, we are being prepared for His coming. God is calling us to go deeper in Him in prayer. He's calling us to really consecrate our lives unto Him. He's going to be pouring out His Spirit on all flesh. And there's going to be an incredible revival and a harvest that's going to be reaped. And we're seeing that. There's more to come. But at the same time, you're seeing things unfold. There's signs, I'll talk more about in a moment. There's signs in the heavens. There's all these signs on the earth. And look at Israel. Israel, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll come back to that in just a moment. But let me finish this. And we start again with verse 34. Be on your guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. The worries worries of life, that that day will not come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who dwell upon the face of the earth. But keep on your alert at all times. Praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and stand before the Son of Man. We're to comfort one another with these words because the Lord's coming for His remnant bride. He is. He's going to come like a thief in the night. Listen, when it's talking about the two comings of the Lord, 
when the Lord comes to set his feet on the Mount of Olives and to destroy Israel's enemies where the blood will be up to a horse's bridle and he's coming in to rule and reign for those thousand years, the Bible says that it's going to be like this flash of light from the east to the west. All eyes will see him. Everybody's going to know Jesus showed up. It's going to be his glorious appearing. There's not going to be any... uh, you know, people saying, well, I guess nothing happened today. It's going to be like something that this is earth-shattering, okay? But at the same time, Jesus, it's predicted that he will come, though, to his remnant bride like a thief in the night. It's going to be a suddenly to catch us away. Because God is not going to allow his remnant bride to be here during those difficult times. What's going to happen is during the tribulation time, we're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb with him. And it's going to be a glorious time. It really will. So here's what's going to happen with Israel. And this is the centerpiece because um, I don't want to get too much on this, but the 69 weeks Daniel predicted from Daniel's time till the coming of Jesus and then the Messiah was cut off. That was fulfilled. But Daniel didn't see the 2,000 years, the church age that we're in. This was God's grace because Israel rejected their Messiah. Therefore, salvation went to the ends of the earth. But there's going to come a time when this this church age, this dispensation is going to come to a close. And we are seeing this happen. And the focus is going to be back on the nation of Israel. This church age is going to climax and finish out with what we call the rapture of the church, okay? The rapture of the remnant bride. But listen about Israel. Israel rejected their Messiah. And Jesus told them, he said, you did not receive me when I came in my name but you'll receive another when he comes in his name, and he was prophesying the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be a false messiah. And what's going to happen is, it's like those 69 weeks of Daniel stopped, and it's like God pushed pause, then salvation went to the ends of the earth, but there's going to come a point in time where the times of the Gentiles are reaching its fulfillment. God's going to catch away his remnant bride, and it's going to like take his finger and push pause off, And that's going to be the 70th week of Daniel, which is the days of Jacob's trouble or the great tribulation. Here's why it happens. See, Israel, they rejected Jesus, their Messiah, so therefore God allowed their temple to be destroyed and then to be scattered among the nations. But for the end to come, Israel had to exist again. They had to be a sovereign nation. Could a nation be born in a day? It happened in 1948. They had to have Jerusalem. Therefore, the Six-Day War, 1967, they took Jerusalem, and there has to be a temple. And what's interesting to me is the Bible predicts there'll be a temple, and you're seeing right now that there has been for some time this temple institute in Israel that has been replicating all of the different, like the menorah and all of the different utensils, everything for the temple. They've been training the Levites. And recently... They have even appointed a high priest. They are ready to build this temple. And what's going to happen is, for Israel, is that because they rejected Jesus as their Messiah, there's going to be a false Messiah come to them one day, a political figure, that they're going to sign a peace treaty with. And when they sign that peace pact with the Antichrist, without realizing that the nation of Israel has made a pact with Satan. And that right there is why the days of Jacob's trouble come. They rejected the Messiah and they accepted this false Messiah. And it's going to unleash um, that seven-year tribulation, the, the days of Jacob's trouble. The first three and a half years are going to be very difficult, the, the trumpet judgments. 
But in the middle of the tribulation time, the Antichrist will sit in the temple. He'll declare himself to be God and demand that the Jews worship him. And of course, we all know how that's going to, you know, Israel's going to respond to that. Those Jewish people are going to say, we're not going to worship you and we're not going to worship your image. And so therefore, he's going to unleash uh, his military to try to completely annihilate like a genocide. But God is going to allow one third of the Jews to be protected supernaturally. And they're going to um, go to a safe haven, which many believe will be Petra. All right. <clears throat> and then at the end of the seven years, Jesus is going to come back in his glorious appearing. And he's going to destroy the armies that have come up against Israel. He's going to come down and he's going to send out his angels to go gather the elect, whether it be Christians and also some of the Jewish people that have been scattered, gather them back. And at that time, the Jewish people are going to see Jesus. They're going to see him. They're going to look on the one, the Bible says, whom they pierced. And they're going to mourn because they're going to realize he really was the Messiah all along. He was the one that they kept rejecting for thousands of years. And they were so stubborn and hard-headed about everything. But yet he ended up being the very Messiah that they rejected. He is the true Messiah. And he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. How glorious that time will be. But we see scriptures about these signs in the heavens. I'll give you a couple, and I believe these are significant. Because of the Hubble telescope being sent out, you know, we're able to see things we've never seen before. And it's interesting to me, the names that have been given to these things that have been seen. Did you know that on the Hubble telescope, and again, you can look these up, there is what's called the Crown of Thorns Galaxy. Because this galaxy looks just like a crown of thorns. There's what's called the Eye of God Helix Nebula. And the Hand of God Nebula. Isn't it interesting that these would be the names given this? Signs in the heavens. Is everybody hearing me? Signs in the heavens. And these blood moons of 2014 and 15 were significant. And see, this, is, this right here a lot of times separates people how, how they're going to respond. I saw different people, you know, on Facebook and stuff like mocking because the last blood moon came and, and the earth didn't implode from within. You know, the, the sky didn't fall like Chicken Little or whatever. You know, the whole universe didn't shift on its axis or something. I mean, I don't know what they thought these people were predicting, but nobody said these crazy things would happen. They were mocking, saying, well, the rapture didn't happen, Jesus didn't come. Nobody said he would. You know, it's just their attitude toward these signs. But anyway, these blood moons of 2014 and 15 were significant. And it's a foreshadowing of something to come. In 1948, before Israel became a nation, there was a tetrad of blood moons on these feast days. Are y'all hearing me? Before Jerusalem was captured by Israel, there was a tetrad of blood moons before they took Israel. And once again, we saw a tetrad of blood moons. I believe, personally, it probably will have to do with the temple. But we'll see. But we do know that Israel has to exist. So as much as Satan wants to destroy the nation of Israel, he's not going to be able to do it. The Bible says everybody that attacks Israel is going to find themselves reeling backward because God is going to respond to that. Jerusalem has to be under Israel's sovereignty, but also there has to be a temple. And so look, keep your eye on the fig tree and watch for the rebuilding of the temple. 
When the Jewish people rebuild their temple, you know that the coming of the Lord is extremely near. That will be a major fulfillment of prophecy. And I believe these blood moons pointed to that. They also probably foreshadowed war. Because for Israel to become a nation, they had to go to war. For Israel to take Jerusalem, they had to go to war. And most likely for Israel to have a temple, they're going to have to go to war. But it's interesting because during those times, whenever Israel took advances like that, we saw some of the greatest revivals happen in the body of Christ. Has anybody ever thought about that? It's like a railroad track. You have two different tracks, but as one turns, the other turns. It seems like when God does something significant with Israel, he does something significant with the church. And around 1948, when Israel became, and we could go back in time further, um, you know, whenever Israel started to talk about becoming a nation, the Zionist movement in the late 1800s, we had right after that the Great Azusa Street and Welsh revivals. Remember that? In 1948, as Israel's becoming a nation, we had the great revivals of the 40s and 50s. In 67, whenever Israel took Jerusalem, we had the, the great charismatic revivals that some of you read about and, and some of you remember. And I believe as we see something significant coming up with Israel, we're also going to see this great revival that all of us feel is near. And it's interesting also that we have so many signs on the earth I've mentioned this already, but look at the racial tensions, the terrorism, the violence, the earthquake, the tsunamis, the strange animal deaths, the paranormal experience, all these things. This, it's, it's weird times. Things are not as they used to be. Something has happened. And even the sinners feel it. And the earth, more and more and more, the lost people are going to be crying out for some kind of a savior. But they don't want the God of the Bible they don't want his word. They don't want his son. They want another savior. And Satan's going to oblige them. You already see that many people are talking about coexisting and all these religions needing to come together. For the last several popes going back, the popes have been working overtime to have an interfaith movement. There's been the last previous popes have done things like go to Buddhist temples and pray and participate in Native American um, satanic rituals like the burning of the smudge pot. They've had Muslim clerics come to the Vatican and pray. And they've, they've, they've gone to different nations and they've talked about how we need to all come together. Out of this movement, there's going to come a one world religion of sorts or some kind of a unification of religion. And this is Revelation 17. The whore of Babylon is going to bring together this. And out of that movement of this religions coming together, it's interesting because the Pope is the only one that I know of that is able to get into so many different religions. And you know, there's even Protestant leaders that are okay with the Pope and okay with his, his ministry or whatever, call him a, a good Christian man. And I'm not against the Pope, but he's not Jesus Christ in the flesh. He's not infallible. And they do not. And the Pope and the Vatican do not believe that you're saved through accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior in a new birth. They do not believe that. Do you understand that? I get a little irritated when people say, well, it's just another denomination. It's not either. It's a cult. 
It is a cult. If you do not believe in salvation through Jesus Christ alone, not a religion, not works, through Him, if you don't believe in that, you are a cult. I don't care what you call yourself or how old you are. And people, the, this, the popes have been able to go into Islam and find common ground because of that weird Marian apparition that happened back, I think, in, if I'm not mistaken, maybe the 30s or before that, but where that, um, in Fatima. And supposedly, this is so weird, supposedly, wasn't it one of Muhammad's wives or something was named Fatima? Yeah, so anyway, and they think that Muhammad, get the, they believe Muhammad, I think, is married to Mary or something, right, in paradise. And so anyway, there's this weird thing that somehow through all that strangeness, um, the Pope has been able to find some common ground with even Islam. And Revelation 17 will precede Revelation 18, meaning this, that this religious movement was some kind of a false prophet religious leader bringing together the religions, including a counterfeit Christianity, because the apostate church that accepts things like homosexuality and, and that all roads lead to God, that type of thing, they call themselves Christians, by the way, but they're going to be right in on this. So all of that is somehow going to form this this religion of sorts, this one world religion. But that's going to help the rise of the Antichrist to political power. But here's the strange thing. If you read Revelation 17 and 18, at some point in time, the Antichrist gets fully in power. He has secured himself. He's united the world. He's got a one world currency, a one world government, a one world military. He's securely in in place. He doesn't need the whore of Babylon anymore. And the Bible says that God puts in his heart to destroy it. (laughs) And some people believe it will be like maybe a bomb or something that hits the Vatican. I don't know. But there's going to be a destruction of sorts that happens to the whore of Babylon. But we're living in these strange times. Where How many of you guys see this? You see the, the unification of the religion starting to happen. But yet... They all seem to have a common hatred toward true biblical Christianity. You see that the world is crying out because of all the terrorism and the natural disasters and the strange things and and the, the wars and rumors of wars and all the racial tensions and all the things that's going on. They're crying out and you can see that there is a movement and has been a movement of a government, a one world government begin to come together. The United Nations didn't even form until after, I believe it was World War II, World War I in that time frame. We didn't even have that. But yet now you see that, that this unification is happening and it's going to lead to the rise of the Antichrist. So here's what looks like could be happening for Israel in the days to come. Israel seems to be poised for biblical scale wars. There could very well be what was prophesied. Some people believe Psalm 83 is a prophecy of a coming war with Israel and it very well could be. Because Psalm 83, if you read those that are in it, it seems to indicate all the nations that surround little bit Israel. Isn't it interesting to anybody else that you have this tiny little sliver of land? Look at a globe. This itty bitty little piece of land. And it's like every day you read about them in the news. 
all these people hate him and want to destroy him. All it's it's like the just the waves of the ocean throughout the nations. This rage going on throughout all the nations. You have in Europe anti-Semitism. You see that they want this BDS movement where they want to boycott. And they go through the the stores and the, anything that was made in Israel, they tear it down. It's like why does everybody hate Israel? Because Satan hates Israel. And unless you're a true Christian, you're going to be under the influence of that stuff. But it seems the Psalm 83 war is all around from the north, all the way wrapping around to underneath where um, northern Africa and Egypt. It seems to be, and now with this Arab Spring, you're watching this and you see that all around Israel, from the top to the bottom, wrapped around them, they're surrounded by nations that hate them and want their destruction and have terrorists. And that may very well lead to what some call the Psalm 83 war in the days to come, where Israel has to go to war with them. And when it happens, the God of Israel will defend Israel, and they will annihilate their enemies, and I guarantee you they're going to annex more land. And their borders will expand, and when they do, that may lead the way for them to be able to rebuild their temple in peace. The Bible predicted that Damascus would be destroyed. Has anybody looked at Damascus lately? Look on Google. Because of the Syrian civil war, Damascus looks like a desert wasteland, like a pile of rubble. It very well could be that that ancient prophecy has finally come to pass. It predicts that Elam's bow would be broken, which is Iran. And some people think when Iran eventually tries to launch a nuke, it's going to backfire on them. But God will defend Israel. I'm just telling you, Satan cannot destroy Israel. He's going to try. But everybody that tries to destroy them is going to find themselves injured. And that will lead the way to the Gog-Magog War of Ezekiel 38, which is an alliance. Who would have thought in our lifetime that you would see Russia (laughs) making any type of an alliance with with places like Iran, Saudi Arabia? Isn't this weird? I mean, Russia now... But it's interesting if you read... um, Ezekiel 38 and 39 with the Gog War, it's an alliance with possibly parts of eastern Germany like Gomer. But you see what? You see Russia, Iran, Turkey. And then you see down into like Libya. And eventually they're all going to come down on Israel and try to attack Israel. And you're already seeing in this day and age, you're seeing the alignment of those nations. Isn't that weird? You guys know as well as I do that have been around a little bit long. You know that, that to think in your mind that there would be an alliance between Russia and Iran, some of these other nations, it seems so insane at one time, but now it's there. Now here's some good things. This current world will burn with fire. Did y'all know that? At the end of Jesus' thousand-year reign, the Bible says that the earth, as we know it, is going to be burned with fire and consumed. And melt with a fervent heat. And out of heaven will come the new heaven and new earth the new Jerusalem, the city of our God. So think about this. If you read the book of Revelation, after Jesus is here for a thousand years, the earth is going to be consumed with fire and burned. What we know is going to be burned away. But God's going to allow there to be this city come down on the earth. This, listen how big it is. The width of it is going to be like from Texas to California. That's how big that city is. And we're going to be living on the earth, but that habitation of God himself will be on the earth. Has anybody ever thought about this? Have you ever read the book of Revelation and thought about the fact that God's always been in heaven? 
He would come down and walk with Adam and Eve. But did you know God himself is going to descend upon the earth? And the dwelling of God will be with man and man with God forever. Has anybody read this? This is amazing. But before God comes, he's going to send Jesus here for a thousand years to clean everything up real good. And get things in order for him. Now at the end of Jesus' reign, the earth is going to be consumed with like a purifying fire. And it's going to be made ready for God to come dwell on the earth with us. And here's the last couple things I want to mention. There's a mentality that's very concerning to me. And it's like a utopia now. It's like a heaven on earth right now mentality. This is very new age, but also there's an emergent, you can look this up, the emergent church. And there's people out there that have been disillusioned with church. And I don't blame them because there's, there's some disillusionment out there for all of us. But unfortunately, a lot, there's a lot of people out there now that this has turned into a bitter and a rebellious thing. And they don't want to come under God's government. They don't want to submit to a local church or to apostles and prophets and pastors, things like that. They want to call it church, but they want to sit around Starbucks talking about things beyond it and not even confined to the Bible because they believe that the Bible is maybe outdated. And they're looking for some form of Christianity, but completely outside the confines of the scriptures and outside of the local church and outside of the covering of the fivefold ministry. And out of that has come a very strange movement called the emergent church. It's very worldly and it's strange. It's a strange spirit and a strange doctrine. And the mentality right now amongst a lot of people, including the scientific community, is that through technology and through other means, through somehow the religions coming together, and maybe technology could reach a place where there's no more sickness, there's no more disease, there's, there's no more fighting going on, that all this can be fixed through um, you know, some kind of technology and this chimeric weirdness, that somehow we can have a, a utopia, heaven on earth now. And how do you guys know that there's no way that's, that's going to happen? As a matter of fact, that's going to be the platform I believe the Antichrist and the false prophet will try to portray is, hey, we can have heaven on earth now. But the Bible predicted it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 3, while they are saying, who's saying? The world. While they are saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child and they will not escape. While they're trying to reject and ignore the God of the Bible and act like he doesn't exist, and they're rejecting the Bible that's been there all along, they don't want to read it, they don't want to accept that. They want to reject God's salvation through Jesus Christ, and they just want to have heaven on earth now. While they're doing that, what they don't understand is the book of Revelation says the sealed judgments are going to start coming down on them. That's going to lead to the trumpet judgments that's going to be coming down on them. And finally, the bold judgments. And the earth is going to be under the wrath of God. And that's what it's talking about when it says, when they say peace and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly. And it concerns me, though, I say this out of love and out of a genuine concern for the body of Christ. There's different groups I've heard that talk about, um, they have a very bad theology about the end times, and they believe that... um, 
Christianity is going to gradually take over the governments of the world. And the earth is getting better. The world's getting better, not worse. And, and that through us taking over the world, that we're going to usher in the coming of the Lord. There's nothing that could be further from the truth. And what concerns me is, is that plays into that belief system about the world coming together and becoming a better place without God. You see what I'm saying? And so some of the people that believe that may get sucked into this coming deception. And so here's what I want to close with. Anybody learn anything tonight? I'm sorry I went fast. I know I covered a lot of stuff. But if I could just say anything, I would say this. Keep your eye on Israel. That's God's fig tree. You want to understand what's going on. Keep your eye on Israel. Look for these two things. Look for a unification of religions. But it will reject the gospel of Jesus Christ vehemently. The idea that there's only one way, they will view that as being very offensive. And their attitude will be like, you think you're so self-righteous. Who do you think you are to tell me that my way is wrong and your way is right? They're going to hate true Christianity. But there'll be a false Christianity that will be very worldly, be very tolerant toward abortion and things like homosexuality. And that false Christianity, there's going to be a unification of religions and there'll be a religious leader, probably the current pope of that time, but it may not be. Maybe some may come out left field. But there'll be some kind of a religious leader that emerges, the false prophet, the Bible calls him, that will oversee that. And that will lead the way. Then you're going to see the governments of the world, United Nations, starting to get more and more powerful. And just like our government wants to take away our guns, why? For socialism. For the, something like the United Nations, this one world government is going to demand the nations to begin to give up their nukes and give up everything else. And they're going to begin to come together and form like a one world government. And the Antichrist will sit on top of that and rule over that. Just look for those three things. Look for Israel to rebuild a temple. I love Israel and I pray for Israel. But right now, Israel is far from God. They're full of a bunch of atheists in the north. And throughout it, I love the Orthodox and the Hasidic people. I love them deeply. I believe that many of them are wonderful people. But they reject Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And because of these things... That's what's going to come upon Israel is the days of Jacob's trouble. And God's going to allow that to really break that nation down and bring it to a place of being very broken. And the Lord said, I, you won't see me again until you say in, in Hebrew, Baruch Habah B'Shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Israel is going to be so broken after the days of Jacob's trouble. They're going to be crying out, God, come save us. And it's interesting because in Hebrew, that would be Yeshua Hoshienu. And they're going to be saying salvation. They're going to be crying. They don't even realize it, but they're crying out for Jesus to come. They're saying salvation. Send salvation. Send salvation. And they're crying out for Jesus. In Hebrew, Yeshua. Send Yeshua. They're crying out for him. All right. So here's what I say to you. Look for those three things. Watch Israel. Watch the rebuilding of the temple. Look for the unification of religion and look for the unification of the one world government. But what do I say to all of those that I have influence with? I would encourage you this. Make sure that you're ready for his coming. He's coming like a thief in the night. I want to be ready when he comes. 
Don't backslide. This isn't the time to get in sin. This isn't the time to get bitter. This isn't the time to get out of church. This is the time to draw in close to Jesus. And the, Jesus said in Matthew twenty five thirteen. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So like Noah, Noah lived in extremely wicked society. Those Nephilim were everywhere. I'm sure that the occult was rampant. Can you imagine fallen angels coming down upon the earth, procreating like that? Can you imagine how much the world was full of the occult and witchcraft? The Bible says that it was full of violence. It was wicked before the Lord. But yet in the midst of an evil generation, Noah lived a righteous life before God. If you want to be ready for the Lord's coming, be like Noah. Him and his family were righteous and they were ready. And when the wrath of God came down on the earth, Noah and his family floated up. And they were protected. And when the wrath of God subsided, they came back upon the earth again. And that's a picture and type of the rapture. Elijah. Elijah was raptured out of here. But what is Elijah known for? He's known for the anointing. Jesus said in Matthew 25, there's the wise and the foolish virgins. I never cease to be amazed that God is pouring out His Spirit. He said, in the latter days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters prophesy, prophecy, dreams and visions. All these things, the Bible was so clear. And then it happens. God starts pouring out His Spirit on all flesh. You start seeing signs and wonders, great revival. And what do you have? A large portion of the body of Christ sent back going, that's not of God. They're the foolish virgins that don't even know God's moving. Or calling the Holy Spirit a demon. The foolish virgins. But I want to be a part of those like Elijah that are a part of of the, the crowd, the Spirit of God crowd that are filled with extra oil, that are the wise virgins ready for the coming of the Lord. And Enoch. Enoch was also raptured out of here. The Bible says about Enoch, he walked with God. And one day was raptured out. I don't know about you, but I want to be like Enoch. That I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend time with Him. And when it's time for the Lord to take me out, I have walked with Him. I'm a man of prayer. I'm going to tell you something. Y'all better hear me about this. If you want to be ready for the coming of the Lord, you better develop a prayer life. And I don't mean depend on mom and daddy. I don't mean pretend that, you know... Um, depending on your spouse or depending on your pastor, you better have a prayer life for yourself. Jesus wants us to know Him. To know Him. Do you know Him? Do you know His voice? Do you know His presence? Do you know His leading? Do you spend time with Him? I believe He's coming like a thief in the night for those that are looking for Him. They're watching Him, praying. They're hungry. They're ready for Him to come. They've repented like Noah, they're righteous. Like Elijah, they're filled with extra oil. And like Enoch, they're walking with him. It's interesting because in the book of Revelation, it says, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. I believe that's burning in the heart of a lot of people now. People across the world are saying, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. And the last thing I would say is this, get get in on what God is doing. We're trying to build your own little kingdom. God said those three things. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. The Bible says, Matthew 13, 39, the end of the age is the harvest. And the Bible says, I'm coming for a bride without spot or blemish. Those are the three things that we know for absolute sure that God is doing in these last days. He's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. That's revival. He's about the harvest. 
And he's getting a bride ready for his coming. So if you want to be in on what God is doing, be a part of that. Get in on revival. Get in on soul winning. And be a part of helping to see the bride made ready for the coming of the king. So I'll read these scriptures. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws nigh. We need to be looking up right now, don't we? Matthew twenty four thirty two. Now learn the parable of the fig tree when its branches have already become tender and puts forth its leaves. You know summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. For the Son of Man is coming an hour when you do not think he will. I want to be ready. And I'll tell you, I believe that the world is living in darkness. It's going to come on them like a trap. They're not going to be ready. But we're called to be children of the light. And we're walking with him like Enoch. We're spending time with him. We sense his nearness. We know his coming is near. And therefore, we're making sure that our lives, we've repented of the sin. We're making sure that we're getting filled with extra oil. That's why I take time to pray for people when I minister. I want us to be ready and filled with extra oil. And we're spending time, we're walking with him like Enoch, and we're making ourselves ready. So when he comes, we're ready to meet him. Lord, I pray tonight as we close this out that you would move mightily. Man, I sent something in the altar time tonight. <clears throat> Lord, let there be a fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. Lord, let there be a fresh move of just tongues and, and, and just an explosion of the gifts and the power of God once again. Lord, stir us up to see greater things than what we've seen. Thank you, Lord, for what we have seen. But there's so much more draw us near to you and get us ready for your coming in Jesus name